Hello and welcome to Avatar, the podcast. We are your hosts, Acorn Bandit and Booster Greg, this Hello. time in video form, if in, you're watching on YouTube. Yes, on video form, if you're watching it on YouTube. And if you're not, then you're watching it a week later and you're not watching it at all. You're listening to it. That's how audio works. You're using your ears instead using of your, your eyes ears because to, that's to watch. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We're so happy to be back with the next episode of Cora which is going to be Revelation. But before we get into that, we have some more reviews to cover. Yes. The first one is quite long-winded, and it comes from Scalrian Wolf. And they write... name. I know. I don't know what it means. I'm sure it's a reference to something, but I don't... Do you know what it means? I don't know. I'll research it later. I'm thinking Skyrim. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Maybe. You know, something Elder, Elder Scrolls related. Oh, that's a good call. Well, anyways, they write an absolute sensational podcast with lovable hosts. I have no idea what my name will be uh, put on for this review as his Apple ID was created many years ago, but some people might recognize me at Lily Cold and Grim on Twitch. Of course, Lily. Hi, Lily. Oh, of course. Lily hangs out uh, uh, whenever I stream every once in a while. Uh, So that's really cool. I see. Yeah. I have a lot of struggles with mental health, such as extreme and sometimes crippling anxiety and depressive episodes here and there. I'm not joking when I tell you that this podcast helps me get through especially especially bad days because it feels like I'm having a conversation about one of my favorite shows with people who really care about it as much as I do. Acorn and Greg... I know. Acorn and Greg, you have a passion for this show like no other Avatar podcast I've braved. <laughs> I, see what, <laughs> I see what Lily did there. And yep. I've binged all the way up to the Firebending Masters episodes in just a few weeks. Wow. If you're looking for a podcast that really and truly breaks down the show for the masterpiece that it is, this is the one. Also, if you're interested in Azula and why I love her, I recommend the video called The Psychology of Azula on YouTube. It's an incredible video that breaks down how her family's cycle of abuse affected her, and I think you'd really like it. Thanks for the amazing content. P.S. Greg and Katara, I think Sokka and... Wait, (laughs) uh, Lily wrote Greg and Katara. I think Lily might have met Greg and Acorn. I think so. Easy slip up. I do it all the time. Yep. It's crazy. Easy mistake to make. I think uh, Sokka and Katara would love you guys. Oh, that's such that's such a nice thing to think about. It really is. It's really like, like I want to be pals with Sokka. I would have used pals with Katara. I know. I would love to meet them. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Also, um, I think I have added the psychology of Azula to my watch later oh. on YouTube. So I think I know exactly which one that Lily is talking about. Mm, I have not added it to anything yet. I don't have time. Oh, who's got time these days? That's why it's a watch later. I know. My watch laters, I checked it recently and I saw a video from three years ago that I forgot about. Did I watch it at okay. that point? No. no. Absolutely like, not. I'll watch it later. I actually That's why took it's it, there. I took it off the list. It's really my watch never <laughs> list is what it really is. Videos I would love to watch, but I will never get around to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Our next review comes from Bowties Are Cool, which is a Doctor Who reference. And I love that. I appreciate that. Me too. Who writes, best Avatar podcast out there. Love the hosts and the puns. You know, the, the puns are divisive. 
but I think the majority of our listeners do like them. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm led to believe. So they will continue. They continue to write update. So happy you're back. I can't wait to listen to more. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Nice balanced uh, twofer of reviews there. Mm. You know what? I've thought about it and I've decided that we're not going to have any more puns this episode. In between that, our brief conversation, there's no more puns. No, no puns. The four viewers slash listeners will be happy. No puns. Greg, mm-hmm. I need you to do something for me. Can you mm-hmm. put your hand on your forehead and tell me what you feel? Are you are you feeling warm? My fingertips are burning off. Is that normal? I think I, I think I have I think I might have my answer. Should that yes. be okay. happening? So Greg is not feeling well today. <laughs> and he's not thinking in his right mind mm-hmm. because he just said he's not going to pun. No puns. From from here on out, no puns. Well we'll we'll see if he he recovers during the course of the recording. We'll see. Who knows? <laughs> Well, reviewers, thank you so much for thank your reviews. You. Yes. We yes. really appreciate it. And also, um, I have had a couple uh, listeners of the podcast come by my Twitch stream. So thank you also for stopping by and saying hi. If you don't write up a review or if you do and you still come and visit us, I know both Greg and I really appreciate it. Okay. Are we ready to dive in today's episode? I've never been more ready for anything in my life. Today, we're talking about... The episode called The Revelation, or as we like to call it, Bolin for Soup. If you thought I was done punning right there, you were worried. <laughs> He's recovered. Get He's healed. Real. It's all, it's all, it was all a ruse to lull those four listeners and watchers into a false sense of security. I see. And yes. I hit him with yes. the next thing I said. Today's episode was written by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konetsko. Mm-hmm. You know, per- close personal friends of the podcast, not mm-hmm. really. It was also directed by Joaquin Dos Santos and Kiyun Ru. Kiyun, we we both trip over trip up over this yes. word. Uh, his name Kiyun Ryu, I think. Oh, you did much better than I did. So sorry if we are mispronouncing <laughs> so this. Sorry. The episode starts in the arena's bending gym. The fire ferrets are practicing early one morning. When Cora complains about the early hour, Bolin explains that it's because they're the rookies, so they get the worst time slot for practice. Mako adds that she needs to deal with it because they need to get her up to speed before the tournament. Just then, Butaka, the owner of the pro-bending league, arrives to pay the Fire Ferrets their winnings from the last match. Remember how they won the game last time? Mm-hmm. Do they, though? I mean, <laughs> the bad news is the stack of bills quickly depletes in Mako's hands to nothing as Butaka takes payment for Korra's new equipment, their gym, the gym equipment, and groceries. It's a lot. It's it's expensive to be Mako in Bolin, apparently. I feel like they probably would have gotten a better deal if they just didn't live in the arena. I know. <laughs> I'm going to get these done back to back here because it's the same voice actor. Butaka and Lightning Bolt Zolt <gasps> are both, we'll, we'll see him much later, right? Are both voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, uh, along actually with the the bouncer later on. At the Amon rally. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you, that name sounds familiar to you and you're not like a super big voice actor nerd like I am, it's because we talked about him way back in Imprisoned. He is the voice of Tyro, who was Hiru's, uh, sorry, Haru's dad. And he also voiced the Big Bad Hippo and the Lion Turtle from Avatar The Last Airbender. Wow. Mm-hmm. Sneaky voice acting uh-huh. credits. Wow. When I heard both of them, I was like, that sounds like Mike Kevin Michael Richardson is one of those voice actors who I can never place him as I'm hearing him. 
But yeah. after I look it up, I go, of course. I'm always like, that's okay. someone. I know that's someone. And then actually with um, Haru's dad, with Tyro, I kind of knew it. But with um, Butaka, I was a little, little put off by it for not put off. That's the wrong word. The little uh, off guard because I was like, that can't be. No, that doesn't. And then it was. I remember you talking about Haru's dad. Mm -hmm. I remember that being like a big, a big uh, voice acting moment for oh, you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. If, if you want more of what he's done, go back to that episode Imprisoned. Um but it's like it, the list goes on and on and on. He's one of those guys kind of like um, Nolan North or even um, Steve Bloom. Like he's just been doing it forever. And his list right. is very long. Well, Butaka also informs them that they will need to put up 30,000 yuans for the championship pot if they want to compete in the tournament. Bolin hopefully asks Cora if she has a secret avatar bank account somewhere, then suggests that he has... Pabu just do circus tricks on the street to raise the money. Um, Cause you know, Pabu is so talented that obviously they would get 30,000 yuans for his performances. Serious ideas only Bolin. That was <laughs> serious. Mako dismisses the idea and tells him he'll figure something out the way he always does. Sometime later, Bolin does take Pabu to central city station and arranges a street side show with costumes for them both. Even with all that effort, he only earns one yuan. A gangster named Shady Shin pulls up in a flashy Satomobile and begins catching up with Bolin. He soon changes the subject to an upcoming job, saying that Lightning Bolt Zolt is looking for some extra muscle for security work. Bolin is hesitant, saying his brother has warned him to stay away from the triple threats. But Shady Shin throws a stack of money into Bolin's donation cup to convince him. Shady Shin. Yes. This is a really cool one, I think. And, and, and quite recent, if you're up on your HBO drama series. Ooh. Shady Shane is voiced by none other than Fisher Stevens, who's played Iggy in the 90s Mario movie with John Leguizamo and Bob Hoskins. Uh, was in the, the show The Blacklist opposite of, um, I can't remember his name right now, but Ultron, essentially, um, as Marvin Gerard. He was in Lost as George Minkowski. And... Whoa. If you've been watching Succession, you would recognize him as Hugo Baker. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Another name that I didn't recognize, but when I pulled up the IMDb page, I saw his face. I was like, oh, I know exactly because I had just finished watching an episode of Succession. Amazing. Yeah. And see, I know him from Blacklist. Mm -hmm. Marvin. Yep. Yes. Yes. I wish I could. I, I'm having like a total mental blank on the lead of Blacklist. I know. Uh, it's driving me Absolutely I should insane know this right too. I should absolutely know this because he plays Raymond Reddington, who is one of the best characters ever. James Spader. James Spader. Thank you. I was going to say John something. I knew it began with a J. <laughs> that was close. James yep. Spader. I, I do very much enjoy James Spader, especially in The Office when, for his very mm -hmm. short stint as a Robert California. See, my headcanon, mm -hmm. this is my, my fan headcanon, is Raymond Reddington, before he had his whole character arc and story on the blacklist mm -hmm. came into a small paper company in, in Scranton, Pennsylvania <laughs> and had a short stint as a CEO as the lizard King. <laughs> yes. As the, <laughs> as the lizard King. Exactly. Yep. Love it. That's, that's my fan head cannon. Yep. Same I, person. I buy, it. I buy it. So shady Shin convinces Bolin to come with him. Meanwhile, across the city, Mako is wrapping up a shift he found at the local power plant where himself and other firebenders are tasked with generating lightning into giant machines, which is a really cool um, 
a really cool next level for the bending. Yeah. And it's cool to think about because back in Avatar The Last Airbender, generating lightning seemed to be a rare talent. And controlling lightning and moving lightning the way Iroh taught Zuko was like hidden knowledge. And now here in the future, we have firebenders casually bending lightning and generating lightning. And it's just one of those daily jobs that they have. I thought that was so interesting. This is as good a time to bring it up as any. I, Mm -hmm. when I first started watching The Legend of Korra, something bothered me very much. And I didn't really talk about the first two episodes that we recorded. I couldn't figure out why Bolin and Mako were brothers and they were bending different elements because all I had to go off of it at that point was Avatar The Last Airbender. And they didn't have like same family, different bending, right? Yeah. It was either you're a bender or you're not, as we saw in the Fortune Teller episode with the twins. And now that we've read the comics, I now understand that likely they're not half brothers unless we figure that out later. But one parent was a firebender and the other was an earthbender. And they are children of um, mixed bloodlines, let's say. Mixed parentage. Which exactly not something I thought of before we read the comics. So that's a nice little instance where the comics came through. If you're watching this for the first time or listening to this for the first time, you've not heard our comics coverage, go back in. They're on the YouTube now. They're on the podcast feed. There's a lot of really cool stuff that they talk about and a lot of new ideas that they bring to the table. Not all of them are page turners, but they all have something mm-hmm. unique to offer. It was a game changer for me. Yeah. It filled out the world of Avatar so much more. And I feel like it created the perfect bridge of story to take me from the world of Avatar The Last Airbender into Korra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Sure. You should listen or watch. Yes. So he comes home and when he gets there, he finds Bolin is missing. So he assumes after looking out the window and seeing Air Temple Island, oh, he probably just went to visit Korra out on Air Temple Island. Let me just go check. So on Air Temple Island, Korra is busy practicing her newfound airbending footwork as Iki and Jinora watch. Janora notices Mako approaching and begins peppering Korra with questions about the handsome firebender boy that she's been talking about. Immediately <sighs> embarrassed, Korra earthbends them away and greets Mako very casually, very coolly. You know, mm-hmm. like, hey, Mako, how's it going? When Mako tells her that Bolin is missing and has a knack for getting into trouble, Korra offers to help look for him. She tells Mako they can take her best friend and tracker, Naga. And Mako, once he sees who Naga is, is amused to find out, find out that her best friend is a polar bear dog. And of course, he's like, this, mis- this makes sense. Of course. <laughs> it all checks out. Of course, out. it all checks out. They travel to Central City Station and ask around to see if anyone has seen Bolin. One of the street kids, Scoochie, tells them what he knows for a price. He says he saw Bolin leave earlier in the day with Shady Shin after the gangster flashed some serious cash. Scoochie then adds that all the triads are muscling up for something really big and thinks that whatever Shady Shin took Bolin for, it should be related. Mako and Korra continue to look for Bolin, and now Mako is worried that his brother's about to be caught up in a turf war. Very quickly, another one. You thought that mm-hmm. this kid wasn't going to be a voice actor? This kid is a voice actor. Not one that Let's I recognize, it. but uh, Scoochie uh-huh. is voiced by Zach Callison. He's voiced Winger in Dragon Rescue Riders Heroes of the Sky, which I was told in... I think it was a Spotify comment that I should watch all of uh, 
How to Train Your Dragon. And I guess Dragons or Rescue Riders is a part of that universe. Yeah, um, they had some spinoff shows, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, I, I, I've only seen the first two and I love them. I couldn't tell you why I didn't watch the rest of them. But also yeah. was in the show The Goldbergs as Brian Corbett, the Injustice animated movie as Jimmy Olsen and Damian Wayne, Steven Universe as the titular character, Steven Universe. I've never seen Steven Universe, but I know it's huge. No. Uh-huh, the voice wow. of Steven Universe, Sophia the First as Prince James, and this is what I recognized in the Superman Shazam: The Return of Black Adam animated movie. He played Billy Batson, who was Shazam essentially as a kid in ah. kid form. So, and, and there's a, one thing I want to get out of the way as well. We're going to meet the lieutenant again a little bit later. We, we know he was voiced by Lance Henriksen. Uh, I think it was a YouTube comment. Um, kindly reminded me that we would also know him from the Aliens movie franchise, which just skipped my mind, apparently. He plays Bishop in the Aliens movie. He's like the... Okay. Spoilers for Aliens if you've not seen it, but it's been a million years. Um, he's the one that ends up being a, a android at the end. And he keeps on showing up over and over again. And then we see him again as the founder of the industries, but he's like one of the main characters in the Aliens franchise. You know, it has been a million years, and I want to say that I've only seen Aliens once. I've seen Alien. I've seen, <laughs> so I can't I've, remember who that is. I've seen Alien. If if you remember Alien, when he gets stabbed and he's got like milk pouring out of him instead of blood, it's that guy. It's like Vaguely. a big reveal. But um, I've seen I see. I've seen that movie a bunch of times. I've seen the rest of them maybe once or twice. Still interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. what a voice acting credit. Yes, Mako and Cora, who are looking for Bolin, make their way across the city to the Triple Threat Triad's headquarters, where they hope to find Bolin before anything bad happens. They come across Pabu in the street, showing them that they are on the right track. But when they arrive at the headquarters, they find it mysteriously empty and the furniture tossed around and broken. They hear a sound in the back alley and race out to find a truck pulling away with figures on motorcycles all around it. Before the truck door closes, Mako and Cora spot Bolin sitting next to the triple threats, bound and gagged. Mako and Cora chase after them through the city but are quickly neutralized when some of the masked riders block their chi. Before the figures can bind and capture them too, Naga comes to the rescue and scares the strange figures away. Also, Pabu played a part. You know, he had mm-hmm. a very terrifying roar. Um, very effective. Yes. Yes. This, yes. this scene was beautiful. Yes. By the way, like the, the, really was. the choreography on it, the animation, you can always tell when they pull direct from like actual reference because the animation, they lose frames, but it still feels smoother. Yeah. It's a very odd like trade up, but it always looks great. Yeah, we've talked in the past about the fact that Mike and Brian really like to use um, like hands-on experience. Mm -hmm. So they will act out scenes the way that they imagine it to be, take reference shots, take reference video. Um, And then also with the bending being based on actual martial arts, I'm sure that they record that, maybe have, um, you know, Sifu Kisu come in and um, demonstrate and they'll like, you know, because the way that this was shot, it almost makes me think that they had someone fighting and someone was like on their knee holding the yes. camera like up at them a little bit. It was very cinematic. Yes. I, I mm-hmm. It almost felt like, I'm not saying they did this, but this is what it felt like. It felt like they traced over live action footage. Right. It was so yeah. impressive. Uh, Mako assures Cora that her bending will come back eventually because this is the first time she's encountered cheap blocking. Mm-hmm. And he identifies the mysterious assailants as equalists. 
and also Amon's henchmen. Mako and Korra search through the night, but find no sign of Bolin or the Equalists. Korra finally remembers the man she saw protesting in the park on her first day in the city and brings Mako there. The two exhausted benders sit down against Naga, against a tree, and talk about how Mako and Bolin know the triple threats. Mako reveals that he and Bolin used to do work for them back in the day. Korra asks what happened to their parents to put them in the position to need such work. And Mako tells her that they were mugged by a firebender when he was little. It happened right in front of him. And now Bolin is the only family he has left. A little Batman I, origin story. I knew. I knew. I couldn't. We can't be the only ones <laughs> no. who see that correlation, right? I mean, basically, this is little Bruce yeah. behind the theater. His mom's pearls flying across the alleyway getting shot like mm-hmm. this is essentially the batman origin yep the really funny thing is too we talked about this last episode um mako's eyebrows are based off of roger smith's from big o i remember a while ago i don't remember who it was it was a creator somewhere with the big o series said that is basically a what if batman had a giant mech and now we're getting another batman like correlation here it just never ends yeah. Poor mako <laughs> <laughs> What if Batman was a bender yeah. in a fantasy world? Yep. <laughs> Mako and Korra doze off at some point and are awakened by the loudspeaker of the Equals protester that they were looking for. Korra confronts him and demands information. And of course, the man refuses. But Mako realizes from one of the man's flyers that there's an event happening that night called the Revelation. Even though the man won't tell them anything about what the event is or where it's happening, they take a few flyers and leave. And after they look closely at the flyers, they realize that the backs contain a map of a secret location that they compare to a map on the wall of like a bus stop. And they realize it's in the city and it's close by. So they begin to prepare to infiltrate the equalist event. And this is my final voice acting credit for the episode right here. It's a, okay. another big one. Um, the Equalist, I, I don't know if it's this guy or someone else, but his title, it's uh, credited as the Equalist announcer. So I think it's here, is voiced by Maurice LaMarche, who, buckle up for this one. If you've watched Futurama, you would know him as the voice of Morbo, Calculon, and Kif. If you've watched Rick and Morty, you will know him as the voice of Abradolph Linkler and Abrodolph Linkoler. Uh, disenchantment <laughs> as Oddval, Big Joe, and Lorenzo the First. Hey Arnold as Big Bob Pataki and Jacques. Tiny Toon Adventures as Dizzy Devil. Dr. Egon Spengler in the real Ghostbusters animated series and Extreme Ghostbusters. Mr. Wilson from the Dennis the Menace animated series, Chief Quimby from Inspector Gadget, and The Brain from Pinky and the Brain. Oh my God. That's just like a sampling of, of what he's done. Oh, what's this guy's name? Maurice LaMarche. Wow. Yeah, yeah another, what another big credits. For someone, oh my for a character with no actual name. Announcer. Yeah. Guy. <laughs> Equalist announcer <laughs> was what he's credited as, but it's a big, big pull again there. I, I feel like Bryke just kind of walks through the halls of Nickelodeon and goes, you available for a quick afternoon? I think they've even said that some of their voice acting happened that way, just through yeah. conversations and people go, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll do a little side character in your show. Um, something to bring up to a bit of trivia Cora and Mako's bickering and tension throughout this entire episode is deliberately uh, uh, 
callback or hearkening to the romantic relationships depicted in the 1940s era films, namely starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't see, I mean, I've not seen many Humphrey Bogart movies. I'm going to be completely honest. I haven't either. Uh, I didn't really get that vibe, but I can kind of see it now that I read that bit of trivia. So that's a really nice little mm-hmm. bit of touch. And something I should have brought up earlier, but I didn't. Uh, originally, Hasuk was supposed to have been kidnapped, not <laughs> not Bolin. Um, oh my gosh, Has- really? Hasuk was a character with a full backstory. He has a family, like everything. And it, something wasn't sitting right with Brike. They were like, why does, why is this full grown man, Hasuk, hanging out with teenagers? This doesn't quite sit right. So they just scrapped it and they connected the dots a little bit quicker and they had Bolin get kidnapped instead of Hasuk. Because also, why would they care if Hasuk was kidnapped? Right. They weren't particularly oh my friendly gosh. with him. So. No, and also he he kind of got replaced by Korra yeah, on the team. Also that, so, so he's he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is an interesting piece of trivia. It's mm-hmm. also like, from a story standpoint, it makes so much more sense for one of the main characters to get kidnapped. Yeah. Because then you have more reason. It's not just let's go help our friend. It's let's go help our brother. Mm -hmm. That night, Cora and Mako arrived to the rally disguised as a couple in normal city clothes so as not to draw attention. They showed the doorman one of the flyers to get inside and soon find themselves part of a giant crowd in a massive warehouse. The rally begins with Amon and his chi blockers entering the stage. Amon approaches the microphone and begins sharing his life story, telling the audience about how he came from a non-bending family who lived on a small farm. One day, his father confronted a firebender who was harassing his family, and his father was cut down. The firebender then took Amon's face, forcing him to live out the rest of his life behind a mask. It's a bit familiar, right? I was like, Zuko? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amon then mentions the Avatar, saying that if she were there that night, she would say bending brings balance to the world, but that is wrong. Bending is the cause of the inequality of the world and is the reason behind every war in every era. Amon then tells the crowd that the spirits have granted him the ability to take away a person's bending permanently. He claims that he has been chosen by them to usher in a new era of balance. And to demonstrate, Lightning Bolt Zolt is brought onto the stage along with the rest of his crew. And Mako and Korra quickly spot Bolin in the lineup. So this is just really, really bad timing. Um, Oh, two things really quickly about... uh, This is cool little stuff. It's minor details. Um about how they got to the rally and like kind of some real world connections. Uh, The image on the invitation for the rallies bears a similarity to real life communist propaganda posters from Stalinist Russia. And uh, Breik even confirmed that in the the commentary that I would listen to. Uh, It's just Amon in place of Joseph Stalin. The other really cool thing, which is a little less history and a little less serious uh, the connecting of the flyers to create a map to find out where the rally was is actually inspired by Brian's participation in rave culture while at college. That makes so much sense, yeah. actually. That makes so much sense. I love that little... Ah, he, that's so cool. He even yep. said so in the in the commentary, but I couldn't tell which one it was, which is why I like the trivia on the, on the wiki because yeah. it, it helps me distinguish who's who. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, me too. The last point, and this one is really cool for diehard Avatar fans. Mm-hmm. At the rally, there was originally supposed to be a woman or a girl, and she's still there, but she was supposed to be the Legend of Korra equivalent of the foaming mouth guy. 
She was going to have the foaming mouth. She's going to go crazy <sighs> when Amon steps on stage. Um, but the, it was scrapped because Brike was like, it kind of undermines the seriousness and creepiness of this event. They really wanted to be yeah. eerie. And having someone do that would just like cut the tension completely. So Yeah. Oh, you know where they could have used that is when Cora was addressing the crowd when she was first yeah. named as being in the city. Yeah. When all the reporters and stuff were there. I mean, it was also a serious scene, but like it was a little closer to being able to fit in a comic moment. I would agree. I, I think yeah. it wouldn't have detracted from that scene at all. Whereas here, it would have been like, what? yeah, you can't. Because they they really they really talked about in this uh, commentary because uh, Steve Bloom, who's the voice of Amon, was in it. Um, and they said that they chose Steve because he's able to have this serious down-to-earth and charismatic approach to a villain. And Amon is not a mus mustache-twirling you know, evil kind of guy. Like they wanted him to be yeah. very balanced that way. And Steve Blum actually uh, was able to deliver that. And I say actually, but it's not surprising because Steve Blum <laughs> is a phenomenal voice actor. Yeah. No, that's one of the things I love about Amon. He just sounds like a normal person. Yeah. He doesn't come across as a mustache twirling, melodramatic, monologuing yeah. kind of villain. He, I mean, his backstory fits that too. He was just a regular guy who grew up on a farm and had this run-in, this Batman run-in almost, mm -hmm. with like his parents being killed. Mm -hmm. A lot of that going around. <laughs> and he um, he stepped up into, into the role of Amon, into the equalist role. Yeah. I, th I think also Amon's mask does a lot of the talking for him. Absolutely. Figuratively speaking, obviously, or metaphorically speaking, obviously. But like he that voice and they do those slow zooms into while he's talking just a full yep. on oh man it's so well done well amon has zolt unbound and gives him the chance to fight for his freedom but after everything that zolt gives him and we're talking like fire lightning hand-to-hand -hand combat amon dodges all of his attacks and holds the man's arms behind his back placing his fingers on his forehead in a very familiar gesture that we've seen in Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm -hmm. Zolt's bending diminishes from lightning to fire and then to nothing, leaving him weak and crumpled on the ground. With this, Amon declares that the era of bending has come to an end and that a revolution has begun. Um, those evasive maneuvers. I don't remember if we talked about this or not or if it, it's going to be cut out because yes, we, sometimes we have more than one take. Everyone relax. It's fine. <laughs> Amon's evasive maneuvers when battling lightning bolts. Zolt resemble the weaving patterns present in the camel. I can never say camel elephant. Camel? Camel? Camel elephant? Camel elephant? The camel elephant strut, which Aang performed in the headband episode. <gasps> Mm -hmm. Yes, actually, mm -hmm. you're right. Oh my gosh, I do recognize it. They just read. This is this is what happens, everyone, when you do good world building. Yes, you don't need to make up something new; it already exists, and then you bring it back, and eagle-eyed watchers will notice it and appreciate it. And people who are maybe a little more passive in their viewing will just feel good about it because it looks natural because it's already been established. Yes. Subconsciously, they'll recognize mm -hmm. it and it will feel like it fits. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. Jumping into action, Mako devises a plan to distract the crowd using the steam from the nearby boilers. He tells Kor to bend the steam into the warehouse so he can rescue his brother under its cover. Kor slips into the back halls and begins turning the wheel to generate the steam, but is discovered by the doorman. She weakly goes for the, oh, I'm just looking for the bathroom excuse, but the guard doesn't believe her, forcing her to subdue him. The fight ends with her slamming him against the boiler, which conveniently releases all the steam she needs. 
Cora quickly waterbends the steam into the warehouse and towards the stage, creating the cover that Mako needs to save Bolin, just as he and Amon are facing off. Something they bring up in, in the commentary, and I didn't know this. This is something that we're going to be missing because we did not watch this as it was coming out. Apparently, there's a huge fan backlash for Mako's scarf. Like what? People just didn't like it. What's wrong with this scarf? I, I have no idea. I love this scarf. I think it's very iconic and it's very yeah. Mako. Um, it is. And he like at one point in this episode pulls it over his mouth for like no reason just because it looked cool. And Bryke was even like, yeah, we just did that because it looked cool. And then oh. Cora does the same thing at the rally when they're like, we hate the Avatar. And she like kind of like does that. Um, yeah. I would argue that the scarf is imperative to their survival because Cora uses it to fight the doorman and to win. She does. Yep. So, but then she like tucks it away in her pocket or something because we don't see it in the next scene. <laughs> <laughs> Just a goof. Just it's, a little, it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Just a little animation goof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, also for his backstory, it makes sense. It's the last thing he has from his parents. Yeah. So it's like keeping a memento on your person always to remember them with. It also, it's how you know he's the edgy one is he has the bright red scarf. Most importantly. <laughs> Most yes. importantly. As the two brothers are making their escape though, they're followed and attacked by Amon's second in command who uses his electrified Kali sticks to sh shock them on their way down a ladder. You know, electricity and metal that just doesn't, mm. doesn't really, mm. Mm -mm. ends badly. Mm -mm. Just as he declares that there is no place in the world for benders anymore, Cora earthbends him into a wall saying, I wouldn't count us out just yet. She whistles for Naga and the three benders make their escape down the alley. The equalists try to give chase, but Amon calls them off, ordering them to let the trio go stating that the avatar is the best person to spread the word of his power. I love that. No, let her go. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was a very powerful move. It was. It's like the stereotypical villain move to beginning of mm -hmm. the adventure villain. No, I need her to go do my bidding <laughs> unknowingly. Exactly. Yeah. It also shows just like, I mean, I don't know if this was intentional entirely, but like Amon was still at the top of the ladder. So he was like on this little platform next to the building and all of his equals were on the ground in the alley like starting to run down the alley to go after them and he didn't shout he didn't say like stop 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 no come back he just said no and they stopped <laughs> and he said let her go I and love i loved that the implied power that he has over his people and he just has to say no yeah. and they'll stop and wait for him to say more it's so good Cora returns to air temple island to find a worried tenzin who tells her that he was about to send out a search party he asks what happened and if she was able to locate her friend. And she tells him that she did, but she also found an equalist assembly. She recounts what Amon was able to do. And though Tenzin finds the thought of Amon possessing such an ability impossible, as only the Avatar has ever mastered it, he quickly believes Korra and becomes clearly concerned, ominously stating that the revolution is now more dangerous than ever. No bender is safe. The end. The end. Actually, this is the last yes. trivia bit that I have. There was originally supposed to be a scene before this that reunites all three, Cora, Mako, and Bolin, over in Republic City Park. Um, and she was super happy to see the brothers, and it was just like a little nothing scene, right? But they mm -hmm. cut it later because they were like, why is she super happy in this scene? And then she is ruined, like mentally, morally, shaken to her core when she returns yeah. to Air Temple Island. So they just it would be it. a bit of a whiplash of yeah. emotions. Yeah. Yep. So they scrapped it all together, which I think was the the right call. 
Yeah, I agree too. And also we've talked about how just intentional they are with every second of the show. Yes. Um, and how like with the uh, the Avatar in the, in the Fire Lord episode, they really struggled to condense the story of Roku and Sozin because mm-hmm. there was so much to cover. So every second was mapped out yeah. to the best of their ability. So I'm sure that cutting out a scene like that just allowed them to kind of expand all the other scenes and get like really like squeeze the most out of the scenes as they could. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. we also would be remiss if we didn't mention that the pressure is on right now for Bright. Like their first series, as we know, is wildly successful. So there's no doubt in my mind that they're feeling that like, okay, we, this has to be good, has to be tight, has to be concise. Like we can't have any whiplash like this going on. So they were very purposeful with the cuts that they made. Which is also why Foaming Girl mm-hmm. was also cut. Poor Foaming Girl. You know, just to play it safe. She wasn't cut. She was just devoid of any personality. Is what they <laughs> did. Which is probably worse. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, Foaming Guy from Avatar didn't have any like purpose or uh, whatever, but he was um, still... His purpose was to set the tone for how big of a celebrity... Aang is. Okay, fair. Okay, Which yes. Which we don't need for Amon, granted. Like, no, we know no, how we big of a celebrity. He has Stalin-esque flyers that are super encrypted to these secret rallies. He, hi- oh, this is a bit of a spoiler for next week, hijacks radio signals. Like, yeah. he's a big deal. Has people protesting in the park for him? Yes. Has all these people at his beck and call? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. He yeah. He's clearly demonstrating his power and influence. And now we learned that he can negate permanently ending. Yes. Which Scary. is a big, big story question mark because now the question is not only who is Amon, mm-hmm. but how did he get this ability that we've only ever seen once in the entire history of Avatar? Yeah. yeah. I, I wish I could Google fan theories from when this episode first came out about who Amon is without getting spoiled. Right. Uh, yeah. Even though uh, I vaguely, re- I vaguely remember who Amon is. No one tell us, but I have a vague recollection. But like, I, I vaguely would just, remember too. I would love to just open up that time capsule and just see who mm-hmm. people thought. Like, I bet you if some people thought it might be Aang resurrected or something. <laughs> Inevitably, there has to have yeah. been something like that. Yeah, like, Aang's back and he's bad. He's bad and he's got a super evil voice. This is his Sith arc. Or Zuko, because, like, uh-huh. there, there's very much some similarities between Amon and Blue Spirit. Right. I I think those are probably the two most likely fan theories Maybe. that... That people were talking about. I understand about. it's mm-hmm. not Zuko, everyone. Don't yell at me. I understand that. But like, I'm just trying to like, I would just love to go be able to go back and just see that. Yep. But maybe when this season's finished, I'll take a look. All right. Well, now it's time for the moral of the episode. Moral of this episode. If you're more intelligent, older brother with more common sense tells you to like, maybe not take jobs from a crime syndicate. Maybe don't. Just a thought. Yeah. Yeah. Just take the pile of money that they throw in your hat and leave it at that. I feel like there there weren't that many serious morals to this episode because that's kind of where I landed too. Um, (laughs) Don't don't get uh, don't get corrupted or don't get swayed by money because 
Pursuing things just for money can oftentimes get you in more trouble in more hot water than not. That is so true. What about the MVP of the episode? Probably Bolin for me. Yeah. Because he didn't listen to Mako and took the job, he got kidnapped. And that led to Mako and Korra going to rescue him and being able to see Amon's power up front. Yeah. And that's huge. So now Korra has an understanding of who exactly she's up against. Yeah, because only people invited to the revelation would even know what the revelation is. So all the eyes that were in that warehouse, they're the only ones now who know what power Amon has. So think about this. If they hadn't have gone to that rally and they later on heard that there's someone called Amon who can take people's bending away, what's the likelihood they would really believe that? Mm -hmm. You know, it would sound like propaganda. It would sound like fear mongering. My thoughts also went to the fact that they might never know that he takes away bending until it's too late because we don't know how many demonstrations he's done like this before. It seems like this is the first one in public. Is that, do you think it's actually the first one or is the first one that we see? Well, I'm sure he's done it before. Yes. But I think it was his first demonstration in public for like to um to further his his plans, oh, his purpose. I see. I thought yeah. it was like he just does this and just like his followers just keep their mouth shut. That could be too. I that, mean, they probably already know about it. To me, that's creepier. Whereas it's just like there's this secret society of people that know that there's this person who can take away bending on a whim and yeah. they just don't talk about it. I mean, that also shows loyalty. It does, which is crazy scary oh either one i i believe but still like aman is just for for avatar last airbender universe like kids show level terrifying villain oh yeah yeah very good villain Mm -hmm. well my mvp is a little more humorous a little more a little more uh cute is it pabu no it's naga Uh, (laughs) also worthy because yeah because naga i mean Poor, wonderful polar bear dog took them all over the city all night long and didn't complain at all. Yeah. She was the reason. She also saved them against That's the true. chi blockers, equalists. That's true. Um, so she was the MVP, in my opinion, for this episode. I would also agree with that. I, I'm, maybe it'll just give Naga the MVP every episode just because <laughs> bestest girl. Honorary, Honorary. MVP because every she's time. the bestest girl. Yes. Yep. Well, that is it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, next time you're out in a warehouse for whatever reason, maybe uh, be careful because there could be a scary masked guy who's about to make an announcement about a scary revelation. That's terrifying. I'm going to stay away from want, warehouses from now on. Just just don't go to warehouses. I think a lot of things, a lot of not good things happen in warehouses. Yes. Yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, thank you again for listening. If you haven't left your five-star review, you can do so over on Apple Podcasts. And if you write it out, we will read it. Mm -hmm. Why is that, Greg? Because that's how the written language works, everyone. Come on, we've been over this time and time again. No. In fact, that is how the written language works. Mm -hmm. Um, If we haven't read your comment yet, and also we are seeing some comments on Spotify now, right, Greg? Yes, there's a whole bunch of comments coming through on Spotify. We're going to start covering them on the the show, but I'm trying to figure out how to do that other than just reading off a laundry list of comments because they've all been wonderful. Um, We do have to publish them ourselves, uh, but like I've not had to not publish anything. They've all been super positive and great and encouraging. So thank you everyone who's been leaving uh, comments on the Q&A section over on Spotify. The polls are up as well. On Spotify, they make me put a time limit on it, uh, but on YouTube, they don't. 
So if you're listening to this after the fact and the polls are closed on Spotify, you can always go over to YouTube and I believe leave your your, your vote there. Um, I'm pretty sure. And what are we voting for, Greg? Well, the second episode, we were talking about if Bryke meant to have um, Zutara 2.0. If yes. that was something that you, you think that they purposefully done. And the rough estimate as of right now, uh, it is 70%. Yes, that's probably what they were doing. And 30%. <laughs> no, that's not what they were doing. What are you talking about? They're a completely original couple that has no relation to Zutara whatsoever. Um, I mm. will say that while it is still overwhelmingly obvious to most of us that that is what they were doing, the divide isn't quite as great as the first question, which was, is Katara or is Cora? Sorry. And I'm doing it. Is Cora uh-huh. a jock? And a, 90 something percent of people are saying yes of course she is right uh, yes so uh, what i don't know what the the poll is going to be for this episode i usually figure out when we're getting it edited so uh, be sure to check out youtube be sure to check out spotify for that poll that you can take part in exactly if you are all caught up with the episodes and you've checked out our youtube and you've sent your five-star review and you've uh, you're looking for more to do you can check out us on Twitch. Where can they find you, Greg? You can find me over at twitch.tv slash boostergreg on Monday and Friday evenings, never on Wednesday. Uh, I'm never playing Okami ever again. I didn't beat it. I can't, oh, I can't really? do it. I can't do it. I You're hit, throwing in the towel? I hit a wall. I went into the stream being like, okay, we're, we're fine. And then at yeah. some point I saved it and there was a timestamp and it was like halfway through the game. I was 15 hours in and out of 31 or something, 15 and some change. And something, something just snapped in me, Acorn. I was just like, <laughs> I'm only halfway through this game. I can't do this anymore. I just can't. So we just, we ended it. There was only like five minutes early when we normally end. I was just like, that's like, okay, we're, we're out of yeah. here. Um, so as of right now, it looks like we might be playing Jedi Survivor next, but the polls are still okay. open for my game vote. So we'll see, but it's probably going nice. to be Star Wars. I'm very excited. But what about you? Um, you can find me over on twitch.tv slash acorn bandits where I am streaming again. Um, now I do, I do love that everyone has been coming through, but I will say I am predominantly streaming role play right now. So it is um, not super flashy or super exciting at times because I'm having serious conversations with other characters who are playing characters in a red dead redemption Two world, but it's fun. I'm enjoying myself. We're That's having some really we're having some really great conversations and a really good character arc right now. Um, I am also playing Red Dead 2, the story. I have never done that before. So around all the role play, I've been playing that. And I also have been doing um, some art streams in mm-hmm. the mornings. But lately, it's been mostly role play. So I would love for you to come check it out and say hi. Um, I am streaming just kind of all over the place while Greg has a very consistent schedule. He's doing great with that. I am just consistently inconsistent. So I go live when I go live. It's kind so. of it's kind of funny because I guarantee you most of our viewers and listeners are thought that we were the other way around. I'm only consistent in my schedule because my time is so scheduled down because I have it to have it to be. Like uh-huh. otherwise, I just wouldn't get anything done. So it's yep. just funny the duality. Take that, you're the Sokka in the in that. I actually, I guess no, I guess not. I guess Sokka was very schedule oriented. Well, he was the plan yeah. guy. He was the idea actually, guy. Actually, you're right. He planned know. things out and then he executed them. And Katara was very much, I feel like doing this right now. Yes. So I guess I'm going to be the painted lady and I'm going to do this for the next couple of days. 
That's yeah. Yep. Well, then never mind. That was just a rant for no no reason. Everyone, thank you all so much for leaving the reviews, the love, yes. finding us on youtube.com slash avatar the podcast, patreon.com slash avatar the podcast. Um, everyone who's been leaving, um, I almost call it donation. It's not a donation. Anyone who's been subscribing over there or yeah. just giving us some money, like we super appreciate it. That is going to go towards editing. Um, once we fully flesh out our, our editing style that we can then hand over to Rob. Uh, so thank yep. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're super uh, appreciative of each and every one of you. So hopefully you'll see you around on live streams. If not, we'll see you here next time on Avatar, Avatar the, the podcast. podcast. Avatar the podcast is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. Thank you.